Welcome to the first episode of my podcasting adventure, Coach's Corner edition. Um, these first eight episodes, we're going to be looking at the NFL draft position by position. I have some really cool guests lined up, and I think you're going to enjoy it. For now, we're going to focus on the draft, and we'll see where life takes us after that. Enjoy. Let's get started with episode one. We have an extremely special guest today to help us break break down the safety position, and that's Pat Ruley, defensive coordinator at Susquehanna University. Pat, welcome aboard. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. This should be a lot of fun. Now, Pat had some gaudy numbers in 2019 at Susquehanna. He was third in third down defense, sixth in defensive touchdowns, eighth in first down D, seventh in rushing defense, 15th in scoring defense, eighth in sacks, 15th in TFLs, en route to a 10-1 and record. We were snubbed. Susquehanna is my alma mater, for those of you that don't know. We were, uh, we were snubbed from the playoffs, probably the last team out. And uh, as Wilkes can attest to, we were an angry team in our bowl game. Pat, why don't you talk us through the mindset of, of missing out on that last bid and w- what the emotions were like going into our last game, especially for the seniors? Yeah, it was gut-wrenching. You know, I've, uh, I've been on both sides of that now. I've been on the um, – as a player and a coach, I've been, you know, snubbed um, as a 9-1, and one, uh, you know, and then – got in as an at-large too. So the highs and lows of that, um, you know, during the selection show, you know, all all you're doing is kind of counting the at-large teams as they get announced. And um, definitely for the seniors, you know, it was very emotional. This group was kind of the team that, you know, put Susquehanna back on the national map. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't thank them enough for their contribution. And, um, you know, we're, we're an overtime loss on the road away from, you know, beating a team that ended up finishing in the final four. And that was our only loss. So, you know, I think how things shook out, a lot of people knew how good we were, uh, you know, and, but it, it was super, you know, super emotional. And I said, thank you to those guys. But, you know, I had a talk with my defense on Monday um, of that game week. And I told them, I said, listen, we can kind of go about this one or two ways. You know, we can kind of go through the motions and prove the selection committee right or, you know, we can go out and make a statement. And, um, you know, I think the guys definitely, you know, in, the, in the end, chose the latter, you know, in the end. I, th- I think uh, it was pretty clear that they chose to make a statement. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was a fun day. You know, it was, uh, it was crazy at times. But, uh, you know, it sent those guys out on a high note and, uh, you know, trying to have a lot of momentum going into the 2020 season. Yeah, for those of you that don't exactly follow Division Three football bowl games, I'm pretty sure we won 88 to 21-ish. I think it was 8824. I think it was a final. Okay. Yeah. Um, a message was sent. Um, Pat, if you wouldn't mind briefly taking us through a little bit of your football story, you know, I think a lot of people take for granted what it takes to become a head coach, you know, that, and like the NFL, even people are watching games on TV. They think it's like any other job you apply and eventually you make it there. So like your football journey, where did it really begin? And when did you decide coaching was going to be your passion in life? Yeah, so um, coming out to high school, I, I ended up actually going to a bigger school. I went to Ohio University. Um, you know, I was there for a full year. Uh, you know, and then when I left there, um, ended up at a <clears throat> JUCO in Maryland for a year. So you did start coaching high school football. I, I was even going to go back to your playing days. You played at Rowan with my best friend Evan Picarello, and that, that's when I first, you know, became aware of who you even were. So yeah, as a yeah, player, was... did you know you wanted to get into coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I started my college uh, student career at Ohio University. 
um, you know, as a, as a student there, um, I actually transferred into Rowan. Um, oh, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, after two years. And, um, you know, so I still ended up playing all my ball at Rowan, um, you know, came home and it was a great career. When I got, when I got done my senior year, um, you know, I was kind of flirting around with doing overseas or arena ball or Canada and, and that type of stuff. And, uh, when, when all that kind of didn't pan out for a multitude of reasons, um, you know, I knew that I, I kind of wanted to stay in the game. Part of me was, you know, going to go the, you know, teaching coaching route. And, you know, I was lucky enough. There's a the local guy around here. Um, his name is Mark Reardon. He used to be the defensive coordinator at Villanova. And, um, when I was in college, we talked a lot, you know, and he would always try to convince me to not go in the profession just because of the, the sacrifice and all that. And, uh, you know, but he called me like a, a day in late July and uh, one of his buddies in the profession was, you know, looking for a kind of an entry level guy on defense down at Towson and um, paid zero dollars and zero cents. I got a nice uh, computer chair that I could sleep on in the film room and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, electric season, obviously we ended up losing the national championship game my first year ever doing it, you know, so kind of like, kind of like, uh, you know, playing games at the casino or something like that. I, I sat down and the first time I, I ever played, you know, you go to the championship and you're hooked, you know, so no doubt. Um, it was, it was a great run. Uh, and that actually, you know, crazy how this profession works, the defensive coordinator there who, uh, you know, I'm still very close with, he, set me up with um, a job at, at Muhlenberg or an interview at, for a job at Muhlenberg mm-hmm. um, under coach Mike Donnelly, who, you know, rest, rest, rest in peace. He was, he was my mentor. He still is my mentor in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and he, I got to work for him for a couple of years, coaching the linebackers and then, um, you know, got down to West Virginia to Alderson brought us a division two school for a year where we were this number two defense in the country. And, went nine and two and won our league. And, you know, then I got an opportunity to come back to the Centennial and, uh, you know, take my first defensive coordinator job. And it was just a job I couldn't pass up. Uh, you know, Coach Perk and I had had history of working together for a year. And, you know, I came in and it was a great situation and things have been things have been awesome. Yeah, I think really early on in coaching careers when we're still raw and and deciding whether or not it's something we're going to commit to, that's when it's super important to be, surrounded by solid guys, influential guys, you know, these leaders that you and I were lucky enough to be around. I think it kind of can sour you right off the bat if you're not lucky enough to get in that situation. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I was I was actually talking with somebody about that not too long ago. It's just kind of like the luck of the draw um, for the guys that, you know, go in this profession. It's, you know, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, it's very – time consuming and demanding in a lot of different ways, emotionally, physically, um, relationships, sacrifice, that type of stuff. And, uh, just, you know, the, the, there's hundreds of jobs posted for entry level jobs every single year. And, you know, the network that you kind of initially get, you know, get thrown into, you know, a lot of times by chance could really dictate, you know, your early uh, influence and, you know, the people you get to be surrounded with and kind of feed off of. And, you know, I was definitely blessed to to be around, you know, a few guys that uh, really molded me in a lot of ways. No question. You know, when I was at Susquehanna, I, I coached linebackers for one season at my alma mater, for those of you that aren't aware of that. And, you know, we didn't do a lot of winning, but I still cherish 
that time as some of the most special experiences of my life because of the guys I was around and the, the players I still connect with to this day. So it's not as results oriented as you may think from the outside in, you know, there's good processes that don't always result in winning records and winning championships. There's a lot of teams out there that are losing games, but still doing it the right way. And it's a special combination that you guys have going right now at Susquehanna that you're winning so many football games and dominating the conference to a degree. Um, also while having, you know, such elite men in that staff, it's a pretty cool situation. Yeah, we're definitely fortunate. You know, I think that I, I enjoy going to work every day. Uh, I enjoy being around the guys that, you know, that we coach, um, you know, a time like this right now, I was talking to a coach in the profession the other day, it really, really puts in perspective how, how much I truly do enjoy what I do. Um, you know, every single day being able to interact with our guys and, you know, guys that, you know, we've brought in and are completely bought into the culture, but, you know, also just seeing these guys grow from, you know, boys to, to young men and uh, really take leaps and bounds on a, you know, a year to year basis. It's, it's something that's a lot of fun to be around. And, you know, I feel very, uh, I don't want to say lucky, but, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that this is what I get to do for a living. Because, yeah, it's, uh, it's such a rewarding experience. It's to, to this day, the, the only job I ever had that I truly loved and woke up every day excited to attack. So I, sure. I know how you feel. For sure. um, before we get into business and breaking down these safeties in the 2020 draft class, just real quick, a couple more things I wanted you to go over. A couple staples of your defense, you know, press coverage is ours. I, that's something I hear you say all the time, along with your wild dog mentality. If you could just briefly get into that, because I actually think it translates well into a safety play. Yeah, so schematically for us, you know, we're a 3-4 multiple defense. Um, but, you know, kind of what we hang our hat on or, you know, as you know, Coach Zemitis would say, what we're kind of known for on the streets is, you know, play and press man. You know, we're going to be – in your face, we're going to be very multiple. Um, we're going to be super physical. Um, we're going to be technique oriented. Um, our guys are going to play with amazing technique. You know, they're coached up very well. I take a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, we're going to, you know, be an aggressive style. We're going to play downhill. We're going to dictate the tempo. We're not going to let offenses dictate, you know, what we run. We're going to, you know, we're going to adjust, but we're going to, you know, maintain our, uh, you know, our calling card, which is playing super relentless, super physical, you know, flying to the football, um, you know, really, really, really making people feel it on a snap to snap basis and just playing with an absurd amount of effort, um, you know, and a lot of guys that have to be Swiss Army knives, right, guys that can come down in the slot and play man to man, you know, they can they can zone drop, they can blitz, um, you know, we blitz our DBs a fair amount. So, you know, looking for guys that, you know, really can, can do a lot of things, but, you know, most importantly guys that, you know, have a, have a, you know, a short memory and uh, love to compete and don't back down from anybody and, you know, play with a swagger. Those are the type of guys that, you know, and that I want and, and the type of you know guys that our defense is built on. No doubt. This year you were lucky enough to coach, two All-Americans. How was that with Daniel Shelton and Cole Dixon? Yeah, was that was that ultimately it was actually three. Um Craig Rumez ended up getting the all All-American nod as well, but luckily oh, that's my fault. We're getting him back for another year. But you know Rumez the touchdown maker. <laughs> five touchdowns. He led he led the country at every level in defensive <laughs> touchdowns. And he led the country in fumbles recovered. The guy's a ball man. Got you to sixth 
in the nation in defensive TDs. It's true. Like, he he he's legitimately. I mean, he is. He's a ball magnet. He's a playmaker. You know, he uh, he should have had another one, but one of our D linemen fell on it, and you can see on tape how upset he is. Actually, after we actually get a turnover, it's hilarious. But. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Daniel Shelton, you know, a guy that I, I right before this kind of just got off the phone with. Um, you know, he's he's putting together a little bit of a pro day campaign right now. He still was able to uh, you know, test in front of a limited audience out in uh Pittsburgh. He's he's having a pretty good showing and hopefully, you know, as a boundary corner, but a lot of people at the next level I think are looking at him as like a nickel. Mm-hmm. Um he's got a lot of size, he's super physical, he's you know the, the guys that you mentioned, Cole Dixon, Daniel Shelton, you know, guy like Craig Rumez, the, the best part about those guys um, is they only know one speed, you know, and that's something that uh, I love about them. And that's why they're, they're as good as they are is because, you know, it doesn't matter if it's practice or a game, you know, there's only one tempo that they play with and it's, it's, you know, a million miles an hour, every snap, um, you know, never practicing with bad habits, um, you know, and, and always wanting to compete. And that's something that, you know, when you and I actually talked about as we were evaluating some of these guys kind of, you know, briefly is it, it's actually amazes me how often you see guys on tape that, that aren't playing that way and, and, and they're going to get a chance to, you know, play at the highest level. And, um, you know, so that's, that's a little flabbergasting at times, but, you know, Cole Dixon's another guy that definitely, uh, you know, just brought it every day was, was an amazing tackler, wasted no movement. Um, you know, long time coming for him, ended up being an all American, but his journey was, a, was a great one as well. So a special player, no doubt. I could watch him on tape all day. Um, yeah. So for me, the safety position is kind of an intimidating one to scout, you know, it, unless you have really extensive all 22 film, which you do have some of fortunately, it's just it's tough to see what goes into every single down because like like you said the safety position has actually turned into the Swiss army knife of Swiss army knives especially in nowadays football like i don't know if there's anyone in this class that is elite at every aspect it's almost like they're sort of being pigeonholed into box safeties or i'll be the Tyra Matthew guy who can come down and cover the slot or I'm a bigger guy than cover a tight end. It's just it's a tricky position for me to evaluate. Are you looking at guys that can do it a little bit of everything or guys that are elite in at least one area and you can kind of work around it? What would be the ideal you know, scenario for you? You know, I think that uh I think that the, the the big task a lot of these teams have, these 32 teams have is that, you know, at the end of the day, what are you looking for, you know, as far as the skill set? You know, are you asking your guy to play a ton of man? Um, you know, are you going to be a more too high or, or a post, you know, a post safety type team or, um, but, you know, me personally, I, I want a guy who can kind of do it all, you know, just because it gives us flexibility in our scheme. Um, you know, it's funny. Sure. I, 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 I kind of agree with what you were saying about this class about there's, there's not exactly a guy that I think is like a, you know, and we'll get into it obviously, but, you know, not a guy that uh, blows you away. Um, in every, you know, checks every box as a, you know, elite A plus, but um, I actually think this is a pretty tiered safety uh, group. You know, it's, I think there's, there's clear, there's clear breaks to be, um, you know, and, and, but, you know, it's, it's an exciting group for, for a lot of different reasons, or, or I should say an interesting group for a lot of different reasons. Um, some, 
some guys that are have super high ceilings and there's a lot of unknowns, some guys that, you know, do things, you know, one thing in particular very well. So um, should be fun. Yeah, it's almost like the specialization factor and the way the game is changing in general. You're, it's going to be even more rare to find the Ed Reeds and the Sean Taylors and the Troy Palomalos. I mean, these guys are generational talents. I get that. But it's almost like you're sculpted into some sort of a scheme from a younger age nowadays as opposed to I'm just going to be the best football player I could possibly be and fly around and, and make plays. So I don't know if that adds into it or if it's just such an elite, rare skill set to possess that that's why it's like that. But I feel like it's trending further and further in that direction every year. Yeah, imagine it being like a, you know, a guy who's like an elite edge rusher, but he also has the ability to have the, you know, lateral quickness and ball skills to, you know, cover freak athletes, especially within the offensive, you know, offensive yeah. leaning rules of the league, yeah. you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's something that's pretty rare. And, you know, that's why, um, that's why some of these guys get paid the big bucks that you were talking about. No doubt. So what I decided to do when I went through position by position, I kind of wanted to, to group the top hundred over a consensus of different mock drafts and player rankings from a few different websites. And that, that pretty much led me to six to 12 guys at each position that I wanted to break down. Safeties, we got eight on our little mini big board. And Pat and I are going to go from bottom up and see, uh, and, and see what these guys have to offer. The first player... Brandon Jones out of Texas, 5'11", 198. Pat, what do you got for me on Brandon Jones? He was a, a, a tricky one for me. So um, the biggest thing that, you know, kind of concerns me with Brandon, you know, he's he, he officially measured it, 5'11", 198 pounds. Um, I – he um, – you know, he was dealing with a shoulder injury right now. He's coming off a of surgery, um, you know, so – that for me, the biggest thing is that when I watched him on tape, um, he wants to play a super physical game. And, you know, his junior season, you know, he has head injury and an ankle injury that causes him to miss games. And then, you know, he, he's seemingly healthy for his entire senior year and then gets banged up at the end of the season um, and then isn't able to, you know, tr compete at the combine and, uh, he you know, dealing with a shoulder. And, you know, I think that, his game is such that he wants to play a very physical game. No you question. Know, one of my biggest notes is um, can his style of play, you know, can his body hold up <laughs> to his style of play? That's exactly you know? what I have, man. Um, you know, what's funny about him a little bit is that I thought he was a solid tackler in space, like outside of his frame at times. And then there yep, were other like angle tackling and roll tackling in space. Definitely. And then there were some other plays where there seemed to be like maybe easier plays to be made. You know, obviously everybody misses tackles, but it almost would seem like sometimes he would come back. Hello? You got me? Uh, we lost okay. you for a second. Uh, so there was some, sometimes on easier tackles. Yeah, you know, like and... sometimes on easier tackles, uh, he would seemingly – miss those or, or, or not, or not make those plays. Um, you know, I think that look at him, he played a ton of different roles in Texas's secondary, but um, I think at the next level, I think he's, he's fairly limited. Um, he's not, he's not a very good man defender. Um, you know, I think that against quicker guys, he's going to have issues. Um, he's not long limbs. 
um, you know, which is something that I always look for out of guys that, you know, I, not to say he's small by any means at 5'11", but um, he's not he's not a huge guy. Um, you know, and if those guys that are sub six feet, I, I like to see them being fairly longer limbed, um, you know, if if they don't pop immediately, um, you know, but uh, yeah, he is not long. He is, he is a little fireball. You know, I think he's, he's a box safety without a box safety body. You know, that's kind of what my, my ultimate uh, I couldn't agree evaluation more. on him is. And that's, you know, that that's tough because, you know, is he able to catch on as a, as a team's guy? Is he those kind of things? Um, you know, is he, you know, it's, again, it's always based on, you know, what, what is the, um, you know, at the end of the day, what is the scheme that he ends up getting, you know, the team that he gets signed with and, and how does he, how is he able to fit into that? You know, but, um, definitely, but he's not a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm banging on the table for. Yeah. I'm pretty low on him. I mean, he's, he's not afraid. That's for sure. He'll cap guys off. He's quick. He's bursty. But like you said, his, him lacking in man really hurts him because if he could somehow sneak in as a guy who can hang his hat on, you know, slot coverage, then it's a different story, but being limited in that area, I, I just don't see enough pluses next to him for me to. to he's 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 not like he's not my lowest rated safety on this board, but um, he's definitely not my highest either. I have him in the bottom tier. I didn't exactly rank the bottom three or four guys, you. but yeah, agreed. You want to get to Kevon Wallace? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I think this guy um, obviously played in a lot of big games. You know, he. Um, you know, in, in his career, you know, obviously, you know, playing in the, the national championship and the two games that I really broke down super, super in depth and I probably watched five full games on this guy, but um, were the last two, you know, and against elite talent at, you know, and speed at, you know, Ohio State and, and uh, LSU, you know, and he's an explosive guy on paper. You know, he, he verted 38 inches. He had a 4.15 in the shuttle, um, you know, but he wasn't a great blitzer when they got into their, I know. And that's what's funny about that is I think that's something that he actually gets credited for um, by some people, you know, and, but when they get in their sub package stuff, he kind of becomes like their, their overhang, like their nickel, um, you know, and I just, I wasn't, you know, if, if he was a free runner and there was nobody blocking him, he was, he was good to go. And he would, you know, he would light it at times, but, if there was even a running back coming at him, you know, he's, he's breaking down. He's not accelerating through. He's not really making a move. He's not polished in that way. Um, you know, as, as a blitzer, as, as some of these other guys, you know, actually have some of that talent. But um, the one actually thing I found that was really odd about him is that I thought he got out of his frame a fair amount. Like he stumbled um, and lost his footing when he was transitioning as a man defender or when he would like try to change direction on a ball carrier on an angle. Um, And I'm not sure what that is, but But then, but then is like sneaky athletic enough to like make himself right pretty quickly within a stride or two. I'm with you. But, and the thing that, but the thing that bothers me about that, or I shouldn't say bothers, but kind of gives me pause is, you know, are you able to do that and still be able to recover against the guys, you know, on Sunday? You know, and right. that's right. And that's and he's, you know, he's playing against guys that a bunch of those guys will be playing on Sundays, you know, and uh you know, I actually think the one positive, you know, I think he probably has some flex from the perspective of I thought that when I watched the tape when he's playing like as a underneath zone dropper, I actually thought he had a pretty good feel. You know, I think that uh 
he has an extremely, to me, naturally high football IQ. And when he sees it, he believes it, and he freaking pulls that trigger. I think that's probably why he gets misunderstood as a good blitzer, because people do see his, like, triggers and downhill reactions. Um, but there, there's something about him that makes me think that he really sees the field well. I agree, you know, and uh, obviously just from having previous conversations with me, I, I – I know that he's been he's been coached up at an elite level for the last uh, you know last four years or whatever. You know, I, I think that I have a ton of respect for the people that are you know, in that program there, and uh, you know, I just I think that um, he does some things. Sometimes he had a couple really high effort blitz reps against Ohio State, where one resulted in a sack and the other one resulted in like a QB hurry that was a third down stop. And so he has the ability you know, physically. Um, I would like to just see more consistency out of him as a, Agreed. you know, as a, as a playmaker, but I couldn't agree more with your assessment of, um, you know, just kind of his natural, sometimes his natural instincts. Um, when he is a roll down guy, the one thing I did notice is that he's often a free hitter in the run game when he makes some of these plays. So um when that is true, when he doesn't have it, you know, when they're not, he's not accounted for, um, he will finish the deal, which, you know, obviously is easier than defeating a block, but you know, n- nonetheless, you still got to make the play. So, yeah, he he's kind of a little bit of that that tweener type. He's a lot longer than Jones is. They're both five eleven, but he seems like a longer, rangier I guy. Agree. But I don't think he's twitchy enough to just play man on the slot. Like he can cover the tight ends. Yeah. You know, he can get to the back outs. He's a short tackler, but. Yeah, I think we pretty much are on the same page with him. He's not a guy that I'm in love with, but I am intrigued by the versatility. I'm with you. I'm with you. How about uh, Terrell Burgess at Utah? Man, did I have a hard time coming up with anything for him. You know what's funny about him is that I, I uh, as I was watching the beginning of his tape, I found myself kind of getting into this mood of, like, already having my mind made up that I, I, you know, that I didn't think he was going to be a guy at the next level. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be a, a game changer by any means, but as, as the film went on, he heated up for me. Um, his effort was inconsistent at times, but he plays instinctual. Um, I watched, I watched, I actually had a decent amount of a tape on Utah and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that he, their scheme, they play a ton of man, um, you know, and he gets a little, he gets a little nosy at times with his eyes and man, but he plays with good technique off the line. Um, I don't think that he plays with, you know, he's clocked a four, four, six. Um, and I'm not sure that he plays that fast at times. Um, it doesn't seem like he's a, you know, a mid four, four guy, but, um, you know, he does some things that I really like, you know, he's, uh, but he is short limbed. Um, which probably is part of the reason why he got up 20 reps on the bench, um, you know, mm-hmm. but he's a sound rap tackler. Um, I, he played in a bunch of different spots. They, they bring him in like three buzz. He'll play high safety. He'll play in the boundary and the field. He'll roll down to the slot. Um, they got a lot going on pre-snap at Utah, man. They're never set. Guys are running back and forth. I know. And you got palms up. It just looks like they're all thinking an awful lot. And I bet you if you look back, you warmed up on him probably because you were going backwards chronologically in the season because they played a lot better defense early on. And then as the season went on, you can kind of tell there was some general divide going on. It was almost like they weren't bought into the scheme. 
not everyone was on the same page and there was some sort of like infighting even happening. But there was a clear difference in game to game with him, which I kind of agree with. Yeah, with you. I, I, you know, you might be right on that about the reverse chronological order. Um, the, the, the one thing that bothered me is sometimes when there would be like a run action at him and there was a guy that was there to stalk him, he was like completely okay with kind of just like going along for the ride and like, you know, letting the, letting the red end. Um, he started off as a corner in his career. So, you know, when he moved to safety, like it's clear that he has some man carryover, some principles. He's only a mm-hmm. one year starter uh, full time, you know? So I, that's, that's another thing that obviously, uh, you know, is I, I wouldn't say cause for alarm, but um, you know, he, he hasn't, he hasn't started a legitimate amount of games in you know, in college, he, he was a guy that was a big time contributor for them, but um there may be a little more room for ceiling than I initially gave credit then considering like the transition position. Yeah. You know, I, I, if he's a guy, I think the biggest question mark for me is does he have good enough speed to feel comfortable playing with solid technique against fast slot receivers at the next level? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I think he could have a very, successful career as a, as a sub package guy and, and kind of be, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say a guy like Devin McCourty or the McCourty's, but you know, a guy that has the ability to play man, which is, you know, coveted in in a lot of, a lot of organizations around the league and be able to play as a high safety and, and tackle, you know, fairly consistently. Um, You know, I, I think that, he's put some good stuff on tape. He's put some stuff on tape that he's going to have to answer for, you know, with scouts as far as uh, consistent effort and uh, his ability to run with, with big time speed. But, you know, I I do see some upside with him. Yeah. I I would like to have seen him be a little more violent. Like you said, especially when getting blocked, he kind of lets himself just like be escorted out of the play. You know, he's choppy in his pedal, like, but we, we know he's not a post safe. He's going to have to be able to, carry over that man-to-man stuff he also had a ton of critical error missed tackles in the box he kind of buries his head a lot he's just not really comfortable in there from my assessment at least so you're right I mean if he can if he can carry it over and really hone his craft in some man coverage stuff I guess there is a future for him but I'm not overly high on Burgess yeah I, I I I I feel like there is some you know some upside but you know obviously he's gonna have to prove it on Sundays how about this Notre Dame kid, Aloha Gilman, another 5'11", cat, 201? Um, you know, I think that for me, uh, he's, he's the guy that I could, I could actually see um, having an extremely short NFL tenure. Um, his his skill set is the opposite of Burgess. He wants to play linebacker. Yeah, but he's the, 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 the notes I have on him, is he's too small to be a box safety and he buries his head and he gets dragged. I mean, I'm watching the Georgia game and Swift drags, drag. him, drags him, you know? And, <laughs> yeah, I saw that um, clip too. I think he's undersized and average athletically. And that's, that's something there's, there's always, there's a, there's a line. I forget who said it, but it's so true. It's, it's okay to be undersized, but it's not okay to be undersized and average. And yeah. Um, you know, he's under a 10 foot in the broad jump. He only verted 32 inches. So he, he's very average expl- as an explosively. Um, 
I think they protected him athletically with what they asked him to do at times um, at yeah. Notre Dame. Um, you know, I just – he actually ran a pretty impressive shuttle. I, I don't I don't know what it was off the top of my head. His, his 5.10.5, it was, it was an impressive time, but he doesn't play that quick, you know, so. Yeah, he actually has decent footwork, believe it or not, so that may have helped in shuttle. And my, my last note for him was just – Box safeties that aren't overly strong or physical don't really have a, any sort of a role in my mind going forward. So I don't really – I don't see it for him. And I'm going to keep coming back to this throughout this little eight-episode series we do for draft preview. This Notre Dame defensive coordinator and the rest of their staff, man, do they get the most out of their guys. I don't think they have that much talent, but they're fun to watch on film. Everything is technically sound and – basically flawless he does a hell of a job yeah i mean i think georgia has a lot of talent and i think that was, that was a fun game to watch against georgia this year um i was a game i broke down there's a lot of cat and mouse going on in that game um you know and and at times at times it was the call wasn't wrong it was can your guy make a play against my guy and ultimately <laughs> the answer was no yeah. more times than not and, and that's you know that's that's how the game you know kind of shook out. But I, I think if you put the I think if you put the Georgia Cats in Notre Dame <laughs> helmets and flip flip this field, I think the score would be uh, very one sided in the favor of the Irish. So you might not be wrong. Um, how about Kyle Duggar for Lenore Ryan? Now, Lenore Ryan, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about since you've been all over the map in in the football landscape what where is lenore ryan what the heck is it? it's a d2 school correct? yeah lenore ryan um little they were a little down this past year but you know in, in years past um well they i shouldn't say they were a little down they still went to the playoffs but that kind of really shows what what i'm about to say is that they've been a team that like competes for national championships they're they're very good they're a triple option offense um which which oh, wow. i hate more than anything in the world um you know and uh but yeah, he he is. Uh, you know, they're a very good program, and but he was an under recruited guy. He got recruited by like a he were got he got recruited by Lenore Ryan by like a GA. Yeah, so, I saw that. That was it. Um, you know, he's he's not he was not a heavily recruited guy. He might have been the hardest eval for me out of everybody, and it wasn't because of like lack of tape or, or exposure. It, it was, it was more because I really just couldn't, you know, on a snap to snap basis, I really couldn't get a gauge on, you know, is he that much better than the competition? And then if I, the answer to that question, I believe was yes, then, you know, there seemed like times where he just knew it and he wasn't able to consistently put out a lead effort. Yeah, supposedly he made a big splash at the combine, which I wouldn't have expected after watching his tape. You know what's funny about that though is that he's he's the type of that doesn't you know that doesn't surprise me much. He 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 actually had a really good Senior Bowl, and um, he was at the Senior Bowl and he was a guy that kept being mentioned. And um, the thing about it that doesn't surprise me is like at that point he's like hyper focused, you know, and and. Every single every single rep is like the world to him, as opposed to some that's a great some word. of these other guys who you know have less to prove, I guess, on on the grand scale because of their accolades in the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve or the SEC, you know. And yeah. this is the kid from nowhere. You know, people don't even know how to pronounce the school name. 
And, uh, you know, he, he's got to come and improve himself. You know, he, he has some really impressive numbers and he's a, he's a pretty big cat, especially, you know, he, he looks, he looks really good in his pads. He only played seven games this past year and he won the Cliff Harris award, which was kind of crazy. Um, for Division Two football, I mean, he's he is dynamic in the return game. He's got great ball skills, takes really good angles, violent finisher. But like you said, the focus does seem like it could be an issue. He's very casual. Um, I mean, he's getting picks in man coverage against seven cuts, so he's just that much better than most of the guys around him. So that to me was the difficult part of the evaluation. But it kind of concerns me that he's like has like a switch that he turns on or off. I'd rather. I, I don't really like that going forward. I don't, I don't think that works at the next level. Yeah. You know, it's funny is as I was breaking him down, that was actually something that kept coming in my mind is like, is this a guy, you know, if, if that is kind of part of your DNA, you know, and, and that's kind of part of your makeup as a player and as a competitor, are you able to like, just get rid of that? Because now you're playing on Sundays, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I think that I think that it, a lot of guys and it's so funny because, you know, people talk about it takes zero effort to, you know, it takes zero effort or zero. I'm sorry, zero talent to give effort. And I couldn't disagree more with that statement. I think that guys that are able every single snap to give absurd effort is is a tremendous talent. I think it's something that comes no, no. It's inner discipline. It's something that is is you know you're self-motivated but the ability when the ball is in the air to just turn and run as fast as you can or when the ball clearly feels seems like you're not going to be involved in the play and it's it's outside away from you with the numbers for you to turn and run full speed and guys that do that consistently all the time that's a, that's a tremendous talent in my mind and um he he doesn't possess that but he definitely does possess a ton of physical skills um yeah, I don't think that's something that you can just inject into someone's veins and all of a sudden they bring it, you know, every play. I, I'd be weary of him. He's 24 years old, too. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't see much more ceiling there. He's the type of guy that I feel like in, like, if we're watching Hard Knocks, all of a sudden he's making, like, a few sick plays. And then the last episode he gets cut. And we're like, wait, what? And that's because he's just not consistent Yeah, I, I think the other thing that, you know, from a talent perspective that people really got to take into account is, you know, from a organization's perspective, are they going to take the 20 year old with, you know, maybe, maybe not as, you know, maybe not as polished or maybe if you were to rank them, like, are you going to take the 20 year old who you're ranking a little lower? You're going to take the 24 year old, you know, and, and some people might say that's unfair, but you know, this guy, a lot of times, and I heard him actually interviewed about it is, is a lot of people feel like, there's not a ton more room of, for him for growth. And, uh, you know, therefore he's, he's not a finished product, but closer to it. And do people feel like that's good enough to be a successful player at the next level? Um, he was only 170 pounds as a senior in high school. Okay. So, yeah, so um, you know, gaining 47 pounds, you know, between playing in high school <laughs> and, and now, um, you know, but he popped at the senior bowl. You know, people were talking about him covering tight ends and backs very well. I could see him being like a sub-package hybrid backer type of guy, um, you know, as far. But very specific, very specific. Yeah, for sure, for, for sure. Um, but fun guy to look at, though. It's always cool to check out some of these D2 cats and see what's going on Absolutely. there. Um, the, ne 
the next guy I think we're going to agree on, probably not my favorite rankings-wise, but the guy I'm most bullish on compared to where he's ranked is Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois, 6'3", 221. What do you got? Yeah, so I'll go a little off the beaten path here to start. So his his only two – his only two Division One offers coming out of high school were, or his final two schools, I should say, were Southern Illinois and Colgate. Um, you know, so he's not a guy that was, you know, being recruited as a higher level guy. He did gain a ton of weight in college. He was not so unsimilar to Duggar as far as you know, definitely developed. Put on didn't put on forty pounds, but put on closer to twenty five. But um, mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that popped. I'm talking third fastest safety at the combine, you know, 41 inch vert, second best broad jump at the combine, 11 foot, six inch broad jump. I mean, when you're, he's not a small school guy by any means, you know, on the grand scale, but you know, he's an FCS guy and, you know, he pops, his name shows up on, you know, as far as checking boxes of tangibles. I mean, he's a big cat. He was a three five five GPA in college too, so he's a, he's a guy that. Wow, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, he's a guy that. that you know has it together in the classroom. You know, he's a captain. That's the other thing that we haven't talked about. You know, that a couple of these guys coming up, uh, they have that C on their chest, and that means a ton to me. Um, no doubt about it. You know, but bench twenty reps as a long limb guy. You know, so he's strong, he's fast, he's explosive. Um, the one thing that kind of gave me a little pause, and this is I'm trying to find something with him because I like him a lot, is that when they played North Dakota State, he didn't pop as much as a year ago. Colgate had an elite linebacker, and they played North Dakota State in the playoffs, and this kid was all over the field, showing up every play. He ended up actually doing a grad year at Louisville this past season, but um, – it, he he made he had a sack in the game and he made a couple plays, but on a play to play basis, I wish I wish that he showed up more. And I'm not sure that it was like he missed a ton of plays. I just wish that when the best team on their schedule was against them, that you know I saw him, you know, do more to to you know ultimately win the football game. But that's a phenomenal take because you know now that you say it. It's it clicks with me because you know he missed the tackle in that game on a quick out. Um, I watched that whole game as well. He just seemed a little bit more timid and like tail between his legs and tight. Now when I watch Duggar, it's almost like when he's playing, he's featuring himself. Chin, it almost seems like is bearing the weight of the entire team on his shoulders at all times. He cares so much about the outcome of the game that he had a tough time of playing like fast and loose when it meant the most that that's kind of, I, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. I, that's kind of a rare, a rare thing to stumble upon in these, in these evaluations. As far you as know, I'm and concerned. then, and then though, to your point, and then I watched the Youngstown game and my man is lighting it <laughs> up. I mean, party time, 20 yard free run as a sixth blitzer and disintegrates the quarterback's chest, you know, and, and that's the other thing. This guy is a blitzer. He, there's no such thing as throttling down. I mentioned throttling down earlier to you know with somebody. This guy is gonna this guy is gonna put a hole through your chest. Um, shot out of but, a cannon, but with impeccable impeccable control. I think I texted yeah, you, you this when he's when he's on path. It's like if if you're familiar with Mario Kart, it's like when you shoot one of those red 
Bowser bombs <laughs> off towards your target. It's like a heat-seeking missile. It it naturally curves in a nice rounded path and always strikes dead center on the target. Yeah. And that's kind of like how Chin, when he IDs a target, you know, he he's gonna get there and it's gonna be squared up and he's gonna deliver a blow. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think he's a he's a thick striker. You know, I think that's I talk to guys, but I love the I love the Mario Kart uh, analogy. But you know, he's he is he's a he's a thick striker, uh, super physical. I love the way he plays. Um, I know guys that coached against him. Um, his intensity, that type of stuff, you know, it, it just it just seeps off the field. It, you, know, you can see it on the tape to a degree. I mean, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. He gets in the right system, Pat. I, I really feel like he could be a guy that you know actually actually ends up having a super successful NFL career. So one thing that stood out, if I if I had to find a negative that I'm interested interested to see if if it's something that can be coached out of him, he just didn't seem the most spatially aware in true zone defense. Like I guess they were mainly such a spot drop team, which you don't see that much anymore. So maybe that's why it didn't look like he was really getting under routes and feeling the combinations. But what like is what type of safety basically is he going to be at the next level, and is he going to have to play? a lot of like deep half and is he going to be like a high, a high post defender? Like I don't really know what scheme I see him in and will his spatial awareness and lack of route recognition hurt? Well, I definitely think that with his length and range. Now I will say this, that I wish he was a little looser in his hips at times. Um, But with his length and range, there's no doubt that he can play like a half field to me um i do understand what you're saying i think that's something that can definitely get coached um there's no doubt in my mind that you know i mean i i know firsthand as somebody who came into a program where how we dropped in zone was much different than how i teach our guys to drop in zone and you know, obviously at the NFL level, you got, you have much more access to these guys as far as time um, at, than, than I do with my guys. And um, I think he's a really high IQ kid. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's like the most high IQ football player out of this group. He's not, he's not, I know that, but um, there's a couple guys that I think actually really pop in that regard. But um you know, I, I do think that he's able to be taught how to be a better underneath zone dropper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I hear the concern. I think it's a valid one. I think my final note on him when I did his eval was if you get the best version, he's going to be a player. Like that's, no you know, and that's the bottom line for me. If, if somebody feels like they're super confident with their ability to coach, right, earn your paycheck as a, as a DB coach, you're going to get a guy that's going to be able to compete at the NFL for, for a fairly long time. Love it. Great ball skills, awesome pass breakups. And my last note on him was his will to win is evident and cares deeply about his teammates. And I think that will translate very well to the next level. I think he'll be coachable. And I think, you know, these big time NFL coaches, they've got to earn their money with him and, and get the best version, just like you said. And he's a guy that I would reach on. I'm not sure exactly you know, where he'll go. Is he, he, I think he could be a late second round type guy. Well, I would, I, you know, not to, not to kind of give a teaser of who's next, but I would definitely take him before the guy we're going to talk about next. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah. you know, I, yeah, I, I definitely think that he actually could be a guy that like maybe somebody who likes him a lot 
I could see like somebody he could be a guy that gets like traded back up for um yeah. in a in a round right, like exactly. in a good spot they feel good about him they like their value you know I, I don't know where he ends up going I'd be shocked I'd be shocked if he gets out of the second round just because of uh, just because of his tangibles, just because of, you know, some of the things. Now, he is a smaller school guy, so I think sometimes, you know, whether it be at the college level or the NFL level, I think people, you know, if they take the safer pick, right, the guy from Clemson instead of Southern Illinois, then it's, it's less egg on their face if they don't pan out. But if you feel confident about your your staff and your ability to coach a guy up, um, you know, I think that he has the tangibles and he has the – you know, the potential to have the skill set to be a really good guy. I mean, 31 pass breakups and 13 career interceptions. That's not, you know, you don't, that, that just doesn't happen by accident. And these, these PBUs, you know, AZ used to make fun of pass breakups as like a bad stat. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like sad. That means they're throwing at you and he wants picks, but these were violent pass breakups, like where he's closing yep. ground and he's not, he's not swatting flies with his hands. He's punching. No doubt. Um, so, why don't we take a, a two second break here and then we'll we'll come back and evaluate the last the last four safeties. All, right, cool. All right, we're back on episode one of the 2020 draft preview, going through the safeties in this year's class. And kind of a downer that we're gonna get revved back up and start with this cat. Ashton Davis, California, the consensus fourth safety in the draft, six one, two oh two. My question for you is why? I, I don't see it. Yeah, man, I'm uh I'm perplexed on this. You know, I, <laughs> I, there, you said consensus fourth. There's a lot of people who actually have him even higher than that. Um, Come on. I mean, they have him definitely third. I, I'm seeing a lot of third right now. And if you think he's better than the next guy, you don't watch football. Um, I'll tell you that. But, you know, he's an interesting guy from the perspective of, um, you know, I think I, I liked what you said to me, you know, I think it was last night that you like you just you like them you like watching them play team defense. Um, you know they're 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 not the they're definitely not the most talented team in the Pac-12, but um, you know they they definitely do some good stuff and play well together. Um, season groin injury, which is a big uh oh for this guy because he wasn't able to run the forty at the combine and. He hangs his hat on being a four-time All-American in the 110 hurdles um, in college. All-American, four-time All-American, Pac-12 champ. Um, I mean, now you're just showing off. How'd you know that? You know, just just a little bit, little bit of digging. You know, but I, I think at the end of the day, man, you know, I, I my biggest question about this guy is it's a pretty crazy. He's a pretty crazy story, and I listen. I love good stories. Um, as far as like a guy coming out of the, you know, out of the mud and, and making it and, and doing that. Um, so this guy had no, no elite. I'm going to say this very confidently. I don't know, you know, people can probably dispute it, whatever, but no power five. He definitely had no power five football offers coming out of high school. Um, he was a track star. So he had like, he had a bunch of California state schools for track and um, so he went to Cal to run track because it was the biggest school that that, you know, he wanted to that was in California that he could run track. And then he walked into the coach's office after I think his second year at Cal and said, I want to come out for the football team. Yep. He, he walked onto the football team, uh, 
after one season, there was a coaching change. And that actually might have been his saving grace from the perspective of then that coach came in and didn't really have any allegiance to anybody yeah, there. Yeah, clean slate. You know, so he came in, uh, played a little corner, um, which I couldn't imagine him playing, to be <laughs> honest. Um, you know, but I think that he better be, you know, for me, I'm looking, he better be in a place where if you don't want to take Jeremy Chin because you think you got to coach him too much, you're going to not go with it. I mean, after this pandemic's over, you're going to keep social distancing from Ashton Davis. You're, <laughs> you, you are, you are not going to take this guy. If you think that you're getting a polished product that you can just throw out on the field, you know, he, my biggest question is, is he a track star playing football? Um, you know, I think that he was a wasted rusher a lot of times when asked to blitz. He has good straight line speed. His hips aren't great. Um, he's another guy that will be a 24-year-old rookie. Um, yeah. You know, so I think it better be the perfect situation for him, and they better be able to address his deficiencies quickly. Um, for him to have a shot as a guy that makes makes any kind of substantial impact. Um, so, the, so the weird thing for me, um, you know, all these deficiencies that he has, I, I think he's already kind of like at the ceiling. And I say that, you know, Justin Wilcox is a phenomenal coach. He's not – doesn't get talked about much on the East Coast. He's kind of like a, a – who's the cat at Minnesota? P.J. Fleck. He's kind of like a – a quiet, you know, reserved fleck, but he has that sort of air of confidence and swagger about him and his team really takes on his persona. And I think he did a really nice job of, you know, making the best of what they had in Ashton Davis. He just fits the scheme. Well, you know, they, they taught him the simple things that can be done in Indy. He did strip attempts. He wrapped tackles. He actually holds his disguise, I think relatively well. And he seems kind of bright because he does grasp the scheme. I just think, like, this is where the happy story should end for him. And he should go, like, into finance or something. Like, <laughs> he had a good run at it. This, he, should go into the di- he should go into the Diamond Series in Europe and make some money running track. I mean, this guy legit you – know, I don't know what he would have ran in the 40, but he's a track guy, you know. So, yeah. he's a bigger guy. He is long-limbed when I watch him. The one knock that I – out of all this stuff, I shouldn't say the one knock – out of all this stuff that I don't really love about him, and this is something that I'll get flack for by some people out there, but it's just my preference is that he's a nice guy. He was yeah. clapping up opponents after the whistle when they stalk blocked him. I I just can't I on top of all this other stuff, and that right, that almost answers the question for me that he is a track guy playing football as opposed to the other way around. That's really well said. You could be a nice guy as a wide receiver or you know, uh, whatever. But, you know, if you play defense, you got to have a little bit of a different switch to you. And, and, um, and you just look around at the other guys around him. He has dogs on that defense, and they are violent and trying to punish people. And then he's kind of like just like there. It's weird. He's, he's a naturally gifted, long athlete with not a ton of refined football ability in my mind. You know, and that's – he – you know, I'm not sure how – you know, I would love to know what he would have clocked. You know, I'm I'm not gonna hang on that much yeah. longer. But you know, he is a he's a one twelve he's a one ten hurdles all American four time. 
you know, so you're sitting there going like this guy has long speed, um, you know, and but I just don't think like some people were actually pumping him about like his ability to trigger as like a, a pass rusher. And then the clip I see that they're talking about is him coming off the back edge and it's a full slide away and he gets the back and he just doesn't slow down and runs the back over, but falls himself. And then <laughs> nothing happens. Like the ball gets thrown. Like that's the clip they're highlighting is this guy being like a legitimate pass rusher. When in the next level, he just gets his knees sawed in half and gets taken off on a, on a, you know, a cart, you know, and that, and that, or, or the running back who isn't a, a punk sophomore, who's six years younger than him actually airs his chest out because he's he's running high you know so i mean it's it was kind of funny because somebody you know the, the the one thing that was as i was kind of you know looking around and trying to figure this guy out a little more um that was something that somebody saw as a positive in him and i couldn't have disagreed more um you know but he doesn't look natural um he doesn't look a natural football player to me. I, I know what you're saying that I think he actually they've coached him up and he actually does some like indie stuff fairly well and he understands what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as a guy that you know wasn't highly recruited, you know maybe not a football first guy ultimately. What what an awesome story, right? I mean, you, you you're a you're a starter in the Pac-12, but like you said, I think that's you know, I think the. I think the uh, the clock's about to hit midnight on this pumpkin. <laughs> no doubt, dude. Let's get to Antoine Winfield Jr. at Minnesota. I could I could do a full podcast on this guy. Um, <laughs> I love this guy. I I I, I mean I'm gonna just go, I, I like him more than any safety in this class, including Delpin and McKinney, uh, who we haven't talked about yet. Um, there's nothing I don't like about this guy. If you're gonna knock him. If you're going to re- – I mean, I'm sure you can pick at little things with him. But if you're going to truly knock him, you're strictly saying he's vertically challenged. And that's it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he's a captain. He has pedigree. His dad was – you know, his dad won the Jim Thorpe Award. Sophomore captain. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy, he's, he's a special player, man. You know, it, he he's a guy that – he's a guy that I would love to play with, that I would love to coach. You know, I have, literally have written down straight baller. You know, this is a guy that – um, he can blitz. He's a prick. He he clocked well. He's explosive. He has a nose for the football. He had two picks in the Penn State game this year, and neither of them were gimmies. Both of them were both of them were legit plays. The one ball was underthrown, but even if the ball is thrown well, he's picking it. Um, I think he's instinctual. Um, obviously he was brought up in the game. Um. You know, a smart player on top of it all, a high IQ. You know, I think that the one thing that I would love to see is against, like, not tight athletic tight ends, but against, like, athletic slots. Is he going to hold up as a, as a man cover guy? You know, I know that the kid Fryermuth from Penn State who didn't come out, but I, who I think is one of the best tight ends in the country, um, he played a man-to-man a, a few times, and obviously he's given up a ton of height in that matchup. Um you know, but played him well. Plays really good. Te- plays with really good technique, instincts. Understands spacing on the field. This is the crazy part, right? That this is what other coaches or media members or whoever chooses who the whoever chooses the Big Ten awards. He was the Big Ten DB of the year, and this kid Okuda from Ohio State is being lauded. 
Yeah, being touted as the guy by everybody. So, last time I checked, Ohio State was also in the Big Ten. And whoever gives this award out said Antoine Winfield is the Big Ten DB of the year. You know, so I look at this kid and I can't say enough good things about him. I think whoever gets him is going to get a steal because I don't think he's going to get – I don't think he's going to get taken as high as he should. And it's going to be because when – you know, when he stands next to a wall and they put a measuring tape up that he's not as tall as some of these other guys. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to make that mistake. Yeah. Um, just a couple short spurt things that, that I, I have on him always brings the juice, always amped sacrifices his body. Great ball skills being a sophomore captain. It really carries a lot of weight with me, especially in a PJ Fleck program. He's actually strong and has really good balance, which you'd expect for, you know, the, the shorter stature guy. Um, phenomenal character. He's a yes, sir, no, sir guy. I watched a bunch of his interviews and I liked it because I took this in my notes before I heard him say it. He understands that he needs to mold himself after the honey badger. He's got to be able to be a guy that can play nickel and, and guard slot receivers because I don't think he can naturally go sideline to sideline, play the post and play the half field at an elite level. I think he can get the job done just because of his will, but he's going to have to be way above average in his man coverage on undersized, small slot guys to really live up to his false potential. In my opinion. Yeah. You know, what's funny is there was a guy um, who's now the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Um, Jim Jim Leonard. Yeah. who wasn't the biggest guy, who wasn't a guy that was even, you know, I talked to AZ about him a ton, you know, and, and you know, I think they were similar times in the Big Ten. And um, just his – some of the things that I see with him, I mean, I just watch Winfield play, and there's a lot of times where, you know, it, it seems like to me that he knows what's about to happen before it happens. Um, I think that he has tremendous instincts. I, I would, you know, I haven't seen any interviews on this or any comments on it, but I would bet that if you clocked take uh, time watching film amongst the Minnesota players that he's at the very, very top of that list. Um, I think that winning was very important to him. I think that for me, I, I love seeing that, you know, a program like Minnesota, who's not, not, has not been historically a team that's won a ton. You know, I love that he's kind of a, a one of the leaders, you know, of, of a defense that, you know, they won, they won a good amount of games. Um, I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I, I agree that he's not the most athletic guy. I mean, there's guys that we've already talked about who I actually think aren't going to be much in the NFL that, um, are far better just in a vacuum athletes than Antoine Winfield. Yeah. yeah. Um, but luckily this isn't a, you know, a <laughs> decathlon, a decathlon right. or, a, right. you know, it's, it's playing football, you know, and, and he's, he is a football player. I mean, it runs through his blood literally and figuratively speaking. I mean, he's, you can just tell how important the game is to him, um, you know, but, Ultimately, he, he is not. I'll tell you what, he is not intimidated by anyone or anything. He was anyone. talking about um, watching film when he was 11 years old. And you were right with this with your guess that he's a film junkie because he used to watch film with his dad, and his dad was about to go up against Calvin Johnson. And Antoine Winfield Sr. was pretty much the same size as his son. And, you know, his dad wasn't afraid 
like he believed in himself, and I think that really carried over to junior. Um, yeah. So, so I know I mentioned it with Ashton Davis about the 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 knock for me on him. One of them was the whole nice guy thing, clapping up opponents. I mentioned this to you, but I have to I have to let our listeners know that a thing. One of the things that I loved about Antoine Winfield is I I can't remember the game. I would have to think about it right now, but when I was breaking him down, there was a play that he was an inside run filler in like a three buzz type uh, coverage. And he was coming down inside and the play is made and he might've been in on the play or might've been right there when the play happened and the running backs getting up off the ground and he puts his hand out to help the running back up and the running back puts his hand out and he pulled it and he just took, put, put his hand out and walked away. And I loved it. I loved every it, – it was, it was against somebody um, – they played Auburn. Yeah, it was the bowl game. It was Auburn. And when I tell you, I'm sitting there, like, laughing, but I'm like, man, there's a lot of things about this guy personality-wise that I love. Yeah, um, great leadership. And, and he's just an ultimate competitor. And I think, like you said, you couldn't say it better. You know, I think it's – it might be running through his veins DNA-wise, but he's, he's not going to back down from anybody. And I think that's a huge, you know – you know, huge intangible at the next level that, um, you know, cannot be overlooked. I did see some youthful tendencies with him slightly. This is a super nitpick, but like just pre-snap, a lot of times he wasn't set. He was kind of like bouncing around, super bouncing around upright, not like really ready and locked in. He just, yeah. I, I think he needs to be a little bit more intense, you know, at a, a few seconds earlier. And that may allow him to show up in the frame in a few more plays because there are times when I watch their games that like, I don't exactly see him showing up at the football for like a series of plays consecutively when I at least should be seeing him pop up in the screen at some point. I'm not saying yeah. he's a dog yeah. or a loafer, yeah. but I don't think he, I think he can recognize more stuff if he is focused a little bit better pre-snap, but he's a sophomore. So I think yeah. he can grow out of that. Yeah, I, I got, I got to tell you the other thing is that, you know, I didn't know much before getting into this to be completely honest. I hadn't watched a ton of um, Minnesota defense. Um, and, and let me tell you that they're schooled up, but you know they play with great technique. They've been coached very well. And he is used completely to his skill set. I mean, A-gap blitzing, coming down, looking like he's covering a slot, coming off the edge. I mean, they, they've they definitely, you know, on rundowns and pass downs, using him as a blitzer, really, really using the full scope of his skill set um, yeah. and really giving the, the people at the next level a ton of different stuff to evaluate with him. I think where he doesn't show – I watched the Iowa game and he they were playing a lot of man free and he was just playing center field and he didn't really show up a whole hell of a lot in that role. That may be some something that I, agree. I don't really see, see him doing much of at the next level. Like he's just not rangy enough. Um, but he he has enough in his toolbox. To, uh... well, yeah, I got, I got to tell you, I, I may agree with you large scale. I know I do know the one play that pops up in my head big time though is they were playing man free against Penn State down towards the red zone, and Penn State ran a box fade um, to the slot to the boundary. It was to the shorter side of the field, so you know, kind of point taken on on, on your part with with some of the range stuff. But yep, I know the play. Some of the some of the. Maybe, and this is something that I haven't touched on, but this is something as a deep row player, you know, whether it's a half field player or a post defender. I think some of the, I'm going to call them physical limitations, just Joe, 
for no, just because I don't have it for lack of a better word. But um, I think some of those actually shrink in my mind because of his ability to like to diagnose. Like, like he was moving in that direction. And obviously you can get, you know, quarterbacks with great eyes that can manipulate you and that kind of stuff, you know, who knows, but you know, he was before that control hand came off the football, you know, in the Penn state game. I mean, my man is, he's, he's going. And if the ball was even thrown, you know, on the money, as opposed to thrown under thrown, um, he's still making a play on that ball, you know? So um, I love him. You know, I think that I'm with you that, you know, I guess there's some situations and certain schemes that, he might not be as great of a fit, but if the right yeah. if the right team drafts him, um, I'm I'm super pumped to to watch yep. him on Sundays. Same. But you know that's kind of what we talked about earlier. There really is no perfect safety anymore. The skill set just is so diverse that if you're that good at everything, I mean, you're just like the number one pick in the draft. I mean, it doesn't come around anymore for sure. Um, but yeah, for me, Winfield is the only other safety besides Chin that I'm bullish on, meaning that I will be over draft overdrafting for him i'll move up if i see an opportunity to snag this guy the other guys a lot of them i will take if they fall to me but those two are, are the guys i'd be targeting uh at, ahead of where they're currently ranked or perceived at least i can see that for sure you want to get to grant delpit yeah i i do um delpit's another guy like um and not to this degree but it might've been the games I was watching, but I had a, t- I had really high expectations on Delpit going in. There's a lot of buzz around them. I yep. start watching them. I'm not seeing it. And then I decided to throw on the 2018 tape and I see it, you know, I see it crystal clear, you know? And, and so for me, he was better in 18 when he was healthy and, and a little less, I would get, I'm not going to say focused upon, but you know, he, he, he was a, he had a better season in 18 and he just looked better at times. Um, In the 2018, in the spring, um, he had a uh, collarbone surgery. Um, So it was left side. So, you know, I think at times who knows if that affected him or not. And then, he had the high ankle about like halfway through the season and that definitely affected him. I, he played through, yeah. he played through it though. You know, I think he, he, I'm not sure he missed, I'm not sure he missed the game. Um, he may have missed one, but he, he's a guy that, you know, at the end of the season, the, the one, the one stat, you know, I think some people were dinging him for, you know, being an inconsistent player. I think the SEC championship game, the, National semifinal and the final, he got credited with zero missed tackles um, in those three games. So, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of pluses. I think he's a physical, you know, I think there's a lot of things like physical freak, like, you know, you just put the, you put the paper on, you know, you, you look at the piece of paper, four, three, nine, you know, six, two, over 210 pounds. Um, you know, he, he's definitely, he looks the part. Um, he plays in my mind. At DB, I mean, I don't know who's putting out more consistent NFL ready guys at the DB position. In my opinion, I have a ton of respect for. D- like, I think LSU puts out. You know, you look at some of the guys that are in the league right now. Um, you know, they they prove themselves at a high level. That when they leave there, they you know they've they've gone on to do some good things. But um, 
I think there's some clips where he could have pulled the trigger and he turned it down. And then other times he's a rock, you know, and I think that could have been, maybe that was health, you know, maybe he's just inconsistent. He was a tough one for me. Um, I think he's instinctual uh, as an over the top zone defender. Um, yeah, he loves playing center field, man. He's smooth in his pedal weave. He he sees the field. You know, he really good his diagnose. You know, his ability to diagnose is as a center fielder is something that you know is really good. And out of this group of guys, as you talked about earlier, um, I think he actually could be the guy. He could be the guy in my mind that if you get the best Grant Delpit, that really could check every box. Um, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think I definitely think inconsistent in terms of his grittiness in the box and, you know, ability to consistently aggressively run the alley. I think a lot of times there's some other cats in this class that they have bad intentions when they're getting to the ball carrier. He'll get them to the ground. It doesn't always look pretty. And even sometimes when he's got guys lined up, squared up, he doesn't really shock them with his initial strike which is something that kind of bothers me. I don't know if that could be injury stuff too. Maybe his core strength is a little bit lacking. Maybe he doesn't really roll his hips through the tackle as well as some of the other guys, but like there's plays where he should be delivering blows where the guy like isn't even really stunned. And then he just slides down and grabs his feet and makes the play anyway. But that kind of bothers me a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. You know, I I don't, I, well, Zach, you might play back to the the sometimes with some of the explosiveness or twitch on contact. Is I don't think he has the loosest hips. I think he's I think Definitely. he's faster than he is quick. Um, you know, and I I think maybe some of the hip stuff is you know whether that be explosion or change of direction, uh, or sudden change of direction. I should say because when he he knows where he's going. He obviously can run. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of that stuff definitely concerns me as far as consistently running the alley with bad intentions. There's some plays where I watch, you know, where, you know, I'm like, man, like that guy is a special player. And then, you know, there's a play, I don't know what game it is in particular. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but where he's going to be an unblocked guy in the alley and just like freezes his feet and doesn't pull the trigger and the ball ends up, get, the ball ends up yeah. getting around the edge. And it's like, man, like for a guy that says, talented and highly sought after as Grant Delpit. Um, I just didn't think I was going to see plays like that uh, from time to time, you know, and um, the other part. And I don't want to be over. I don't want to be overly judgmental. I mean, it's really not that fair. I'm just going off, you know, watching a handful of games on tape, but you can get a good idea. I I don't, I don't know if he's the the best competitor. You know, I, I think he likes to play, the the FCS school week two and like blow people up and like get three picks. And then all of a sudden, once he starts losing some one-on-ones against the elite competition, it's kind of like my ankle hurts a little bit again. And uh, I'm a throttle down and I'm, I'm just not well, right right now. Yeah. You're, you're, well, your reference, I mean, clearly I, in my head, your ref, the, what comes to mind is your reference in the Texas game. Um, Texas Duvernay just pretty much won. Yeah. Every battle. You know, I, I, I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna. You know. I don't think I'm. I'm confident enough to speak on uh, his competitive nature one way or the other. Um, you know, as a guy that is a multi-year starter for, you know, as you as you yeah as you said, not. you know, and and, and there. Listen, though. I mean, to, you know, to some degree, there is a difference between competitiveness and talent. Like that's just because you're 
extremely talented and can play, be a multi-year starter and, you know, on the best team in the country doesn't mean that you're the ultimate competitor. You know, that's not, those things definitely are not synonymous, but. Um, I think it could be mental with him too. Like you said, you, you like the 2018 version of him better. All of a sudden the hype got big and mentally he didn't enjoy that role as much as when he was yeah. under the radar. And just yeah, I got I to gotta tell you, their secondary though. I mean, I, I have this number in down. I mean, he might be the third. You know, he's a guy that's going to be a first. He's going to be a first round pick. <laughs> yeah, and um, he might be the third best DB in their secondary, though. Um, you know, I think that the Stingley kid who I talked to you about. You know, I don't know if the corner can go number one overall, but in two years, we're going to see if that's possible or not. Um, you know, barring injury, you know, the Stingley's the real deal. He he, yeah. he and he's got the other. And he's got Christian Fulton on the other side at the other corner, who's a top oh, I DB love, in yeah, this class. No yeah, he's he. So, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe from a confidence standpoint, it's tricky to be around two guys that are actually better than you in the same exact room, and you're trying to be touted. Crazy man, one. crazy. Yeah, the, the one, the one um, last thing that I want to mention on him because I, I, uh, I have it written down, and I think it kind of for me it wraps him up. Is is like indecisiveness is his biggest weakness whether that's mental or physical indecisiveness, like whether it's running the alley or, you know, not, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it was physical, you know, limitations due to injury at times. Um, and actually he was playing through some things, you know, you, you know, as a coach, you know, that the, the health of your players is not always public knowledge. And, yeah. um, you know, so, yeah there's at times where people might feel like guys are taking plays off or whatever, and they have no idea actually how much pain they're playing through. Uh, you know, so I think that this for me, when he was, when he was not indecisive, he's an elite player. And um, I'm, I mean, in, elite in, in many ways, whether that's running the alley with good angles and making sound rap tackles, whether that's playing center field and tracking the football with good ball skills, um, you know when, when he yep. when he makes his mind up and he he plays with swagger you know i think that is a good word for him that um i think he he reaches the level that he's being touted as so i would agree i think it's on these teams to get the real answer on why his 2019 version at times wasn't the best version of grant delpit and i think if they do their homework in that regard and are confident with the responses that they're getting from, you know, his coaches and him personally, I think he definitely can uh, live up to a pretty decent NFL career. I don't think he's a first round pick though. I think he's like 35 to 40 range. Um, that That's my take on it. You think the next guy's pick before him? Yeah. What do you got on Mr. Xavier from Alabama? Yeah, man. So, um, he was a guy that he looks smaller on tape to me than he measures out. Like I was shocked that he was six foot one and I was shocked that they're listening him at 200 pounds. Like my man must have yeah. walked on the scale with like plates in his pocket or I, I have no idea. I mean, somebody must've had their foot. His agent must've had the foot on the back of the scale. They must, I mean, if he's really 200 pounds, he's compact, man. I mean, he's, he's, He's not – he's got nothing extra on him. Um, you know, I think he's twitchy. Um, he's got good 
And we're talking about we're, we're talking about Xavier McKinney at Alabama. Yeah, Xavier, yeah, Xavier McKinney. I, th- I think he's twitchy. Um, I think he's got good explosiveness. And the one thing I have on him is I think that he's he's got really good explosiveness and tight quarters. Like when he's able to when he's able to know that there's not a ton of room for error with like that the ball carrier really doesn't have an option or like the as in the pass rush lean that he doesn't have a ton of options. Yeah. He just has to play full speed. He's he's willing to do it and he's and he's extremely twitchy. Um he's got efficient like crisp linebacker movements when he's in the I box I, I agree. Quarters. I have, I have questions about his ability to legitly cover speedy slots. For you know, I just don't think that I think that I thought he got discombobulated in, in space at times. Um but I think he plays he does play rolled down a fair amount in run support and yeah I like, I like him in a one high type scheme cover three guy post defender yeah no yeah, yeah I just I, I like him I think that I think that if if the right team picks him it's a great pick you know I I think that he fits um you know, I think he could play some nickel because of his ability to ru- I, you know, his ability to rush what's kind of interesting about him is he clocked four six three um. You know, and I, forty time for me is not the end of the world. I think he's, I think he's game, I think he's uh, football fast. Um, but yeah, I think uh, he can play some nickel, and I think his rush ability. Like at first, I, I didn't really know. I tell you what, though, man, there's some clips of him rushing the passer, whether it be him bending or him just coming off, you know, the heels of a five technique into the B gap on a on a third down pressure. Where he lights, you know, he lights the fuse, and um, you know, he really, he really brings it. Um, Always has good. Pad well, levels. you know what's funny is actually, I, I think that when he's in the, I, when he's in the box, in the box, right? When he's pedaling, and and when the ball, high, well, and then the other part of it for me is when the ball is outside of the box and he has to tackle in space. Um, I actually think that. I, I'm not, he's not, he is definitely not the most, um, he's not the most talented as far as, uh, you know, open, open field for me with, with his tackling ability. I think that, um, I think there is some, you know, I think he plays full speed, but his ability to like kind of like bite the near hip and track, um, in space is not as good as some of these other guys, you know, but when, when he, but he is a really yeah. good, it seems seemingly he's a really good tackler but the tackles he's making a lot of times, there's not a lot of room for error, you know, and that's not a knock on him. It's more that he's super decisive and goes and gets it and can bend, Um, you know, but if, if there's a, you know, if there's a missed tackle on a hitch at corner and now he's coming up on the guy, um, I just wanted to see a little more out of him from, from that, in that regard, but. Yeah, it all looks good until right before the point of contact like because he does accelerate pretty nicely when he triggers but i agree with you in the open field especially on the perimeter um maybe a little bit of that fear of not having the natural speed of some of the other guys that we've talked about is why he tends to kind of like break down a bit and not just go get it um he does play under control he's patient um i like his hips i like his balance he actually the first thing that popped for me is he is naturally a phenomenal reader of quarterback's eyes. He like he sees he sees stuff before yeah before most yeah I um yeah one. I agree you know and I think that the one thing you know kind of going back to what you were just saying about maybe his lack of speed is 
I don't know if it was coincidence or not. I'm going to guess no. But when they were playing, whether it be sub package or base defense, um, but they were playing against like 11 personnel teams, he just happened to find the tight uh-huh. end more more often than not, you know, yeah. as as like that's that's who he was yeah. assigned to, you know. So um, he's not going to be the guy that you're asking, you know, to cover, you know, Terry McLaurin in the slot, you know, and, you know, but yeah, it's not happening. I do think he has some, you know, he has some, like when he was matched up, even against like some pretty athletic tight ends, you know, I think that he did a fairly good job, but I think he is limited a little bit from speed. And I think he does know that he's not a world-class speed guy, which, you know, in a DB's had a little bit of times if, if they fear that, you know, they can't really run with a guy on the nine, um, you know, some doubt and lack of, um, you know, firm and consistent technique starts creeping into the equation. Um, but I, I do, I like them. Um, you know, I, why I asked you the question about if you think he's getting taken ahead of Delpit, uh, was because I actually think that in my mind, Delpit probably fits more people than McKinney. Um, yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I would have to look at those teams in like the mid twenties to forty range to really understand schematically yeah. who's looking for what. But yeah, I I agree that his role is a little bit more scheme specific than some of the other guys. So it's going to have to be the right fit. I even have here. I say solid, not spectacular. If drafted with scheme in mind, he has an extremely high floor. Like I don't see him busting if you're taking him to do I agree. things that we're talking. I agree. About. I couldn't agree more. But uh, not really a guy I'm like – I can't see myself reaching for him and taking him with, like, the 20. I, I, well, draft, it's funny, so. right? So, like, you saying that, like, I actually – I would not be shocked if on draft day Grant Delpit gets picked, like, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't believe he just got picked there. You know, like, I, th- there's, there's parts of me that feel like we're going to be sitting there on draft day and – there's going to be a big board up and Delpit's not going to be close to the top of the big board, but maybe like the second highest need on that team's board is safety. And they, and they just love them enough yeah. and they don't, and they're not crazy about their top need at that particular moment. And they can't trade out or something like that, or, or they like them enough. You know, I just, I would not be shocked if, you know, you're sitting there and they're like, Oh man, like, Grant Delpit, you got taken here. I can't believe, you know, but I just, I feel like, I don't know why I get that feeling, but I just, I have this feeling that Delpit's going to get taken higher than uh, people think he is. So it's interesting. There's a, there's a prop bet on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Will a safety get drafted in the first round? And I believe it's even <laughs> money both ways. So they think it's like very 50-50 whether or not one of these guys is going to go before 32. And I, I, I could see that. So, you know, Pat, you did a phenomenal job. I'm a little disappointed that it was so good because it's going to be tough for me to convince some of my other coaching buddies to come on with you rattling off, uh, you know, bench press reps and injury history. They're going to really have to do a lot more homework. I kind of wish we got started on this in the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, this is something for me. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, I think that I'm a junkie for the film, but, you know, more more often than not, you know, it's really just talking ball and, and doing all this and, you know, I think I know some of the guys you're you're talking about bringing on. I think some of them will be all right. No doubt. So 
real quick, if we want to run through a ranking of these safeties, you have Winfield. I have, one. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a funny one for me because I have Winfield one, but really, if I'm if I'm being real, it's probably Delpit one. Um, but I do have Winfield one. I I I, I just lo- I love him. You know, I just think that there's some things when I watch him play that the intangibles and some of the some of the stuff, the energy that I'm I'm feeling from him when when I'm watching him with his teammates and that kind of stuff. I think he's going to have a tremendous career, um, you know, so he's not going to. It's going to be a fun, it's a fun group of guys to follow. They all have pretty unique and uh, standout skill sets. I think, you know, Jeremy Chin is going to be a really interesting well, story. I hope he does, does well. You know, I hope it's funny. Winfield it's it's really well. one of those things where there's, you know, I would say there's probably, you know, I think we went through 10 guys and there's, uh, there's probably like seven or eight of them that have like, you know, really outside of Jones and Gilman for me, um, every guy, like, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Like, like with Wallace yeah, and Clemson, definitely. like, I just think that, you know, part of me feels like I'm not super high on him, but there's something there and he's going to end up sticking. Like, it's just, it's like one of the, like, yeah, like he would make, like, I you know four or five years from now, he's a guy that people are talking about and he's a a solid cat. It wouldn't shock me. Um, Davis, I'm, I'm just getting my popcorn and just getting ready. I hope the Cowboys take them. Um, (laughs) You know, and and Duggar, the small school guys, Duggar and chin. No. And I, I, I agree with you. I think I'm, I'm super pumped to watch chin. It's a good group. Well, Pat, um, hopefully we can get you on later in the series to discuss a, a different position group. We'll try to work some of those details out. Um, but in the meantime, stay safe. Uh, enjoy your <laughs> corona pandemic quarantine yeah. like everyone else. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I really appreciate it. Coach Ruley at Follow the Rules on Twitter. Phenomenal rising star in the coaching field. Did Pat, a it was a ton of fun. Today. I Thanks, appreciate Pat. being on.